sind. Welcome to Crowding the Garage. I'm Corey Culp. I am Freddie Woff. I feel like I'm going to laugh every time we start talking about these movies. Well, of course, that's what they're for. That that's that's the whole point of March Madness. Oh, 1992, straight to video. We have Mission of Justice. I keep saying Mission Two and Mission. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't roll off the tongue. Mission of Justice. Well, you know, it's funny, man. It's Mission of Justice. Like before, I read what it, you know when it just came up. I was like, okay, that's what we're doing. I I took it as like they're going on a mission. Why wouldn't you think that? Right? As it turns out, our our uh, hero's mission. <laughs> it is not. Or maybe it is. Or it kind of is. And maybe they're trying. No, this movie's not that it's smart. It's play on words. <laughs> it's not, yeah, they're not that clever. No, Mission of Justice is the baddies. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you could say, just, just say what it is. Are we just going to say Scientology? I mean, that's what they're talking. I mean, I literally, mean, yeah. They're, I mean, they're trying to bitch slap Scientology right in the face. Right in its Scientology face. Yeah, here's this building in this gated area, and yeah, it's really weird. I feel like it's all with the Arboretum. <laughs> yeah, so, and this silly movie is Brigitte Nielsen is the baddie. She's got some duality, like like a lot of these kind of movies did, like uh, Seagal's in, what was the Hard to Kill? Right. With the duality of uh, Bill Sadler, right? And yep. this is almost the same kind of fucking I mean, it's thing. almost like, yeah, almost it is. They, like, they lifted that part of the plot from Hard to Kill. Yeah. The best thing about this poster, and I'm not knocking it because the movie is hilarious. Oh, it is. is. But the best part is the poster. Yes. I mean, it, it is so bad that it's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, and it's so great, too, because he's holding he's holding sticks. Our, our star, Jeff Wincott. Speaking of cocaine, yeah. dude. Well, there's something going on there. But you know that what I'm going to say again about this, the same thing I said about Snake Eater 3, is his hair on this poster does not match his hair in the movie. No. At all. It doesn't. I felt like, you know, how some people were, have like taller hair because they want you to look at the tall hair and not realize that he's balding in the back. Correct. Like Dice, yep. for instance. That's what, it, uh -huh. that's what it kind of feels like. Well, it's weird because you know who Jeff Wincott kind of reminds me of, like, and I kept having to remind myself during watching the movie that it wasn't. You want to guess? Who do you, who does he remind you of? When you look at him, you just see him show up the first time in his little police outfit that literally just came off the rack at Western Costume because it's still got creases and shit. You mean in with the whole liquor store robbery at the beginning? Yeah. I, I throw it at me because I. He remind, hey, dude, I kept thinking it was Tom Wopat. <laughs> That's so funny, dude. I can't, by the way, Jeff Wincott's only 66. How is that possible? I, I don't know. He still looked like he was 66 in 1992. Yeah, he looked. Well, I mean, he was yoked, though. He was buff, dude. I mean, it was funny because any excuse for him to take off his shirt, they just take his shirt off. Like when his partner comes over and they're just talking and he just walks by and peels his shirt off. Yeah. If they're at his apartment, I'm like, oh, fuck, is this the random weird sex scene? If it was Snake Eater 3, they'd be boning right now, but it wasn't. No. 
again, Jeff Wincott is our guy. He's he's our guy. Brigitte Nielsen is the baddie. And his sidekick is uh, Karen Shepard. The character is Lynn Steele that she plays. Because we both discovered there is our, there were some points of trivia to discuss. And one of them is the fact that this was supposed to be a sequel to Martial, Art 2, Martial Law 2, which I mentioned briefly. But Rothrock bowed out of it. So they just made Jeff Wincott the lead in it. And uh, obviously they changed some stuff and then added Karen Shepard in because they just definitely wanted to have that yeah. that male-female partnership in the band. And she kind of weirdly, they gave her a Rothrock-style haircut. Yeah. <laughs> and she, like, maybe we're supposed to, like, you know, it's how they would do, it's like the two Darrens on Bewitched. Yeah. She's a little aggro in this, too. <laughs> She's a <well>, little. <laughs> I knew her from Cyborg 2. <laughs> All right. That's the thing I knew. I was like, oh, that's, that's like when I saw her because at first I was like, is that, no, that's, oh, no, no, that's. Karen Shepard. And, you know, she, I was like, Cyborg 2 is the thing. And I think she might've been on, wasn't she on Hercules with Kevin Sorbo, maybe? There's lots of people in this that you recognize. Yeah. The, you know who the most recognizable person in this whole movie is? Yes. Yeah, I know you do. And Matthias Hughes. No. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. Tony Burton, dude. Cedric. That's fucking Apollo Creed's trainer, dude. Come on. But I meant like from these kinds of movies. Sure, from these kind of trashy movies. Yes. yes. Cedric Williams is the the catalyst to this whole movie that Tony yeah, Burton he plays. He sets it all in motion. He sets it all in motion. And I'm like, as soon as he pops up, and I'm like going, oh. This yeah, is what, you are. Yeah. This why is, is he happens. in this movie? He's why is why is Apollo's trainer in this movie? Oh, I know why. Yeah. He lost a bet. <laughs> Tom Wood is in this movie too. We all know from from Under Siege and The Fugitive. And U.S. Marshals. Oh, yeah. We talked about him briefly. And, and you know, just like those other movies, he plays this, this dude who gets to, his shit kicked around all the time. Dude. He's such a pushover and everything. So he's not, in the, he's not in the movie enough, by the way. No, he's we talked about him in U.S. Marshals. He plays Newman. And yeah. you know, he's, con he's constantly the fodder of everybody. And under siege, he's Private Nash. <laughs> so, Private Nash. Speaking of Tommy Lee Jones. This movie has lots of people you recognize. Like, like I said, Matthias Hughes is in it. And then I always forget the other cat's name. The one who plays Akira. Oh, James Liu, right? James yeah, Liu that James plays Liu. the other the other heavy. Mm -hmm. He's great, too. He's fucking wonderful and everything. But he was originally one of those guys that got hired for Kung Fu. Oh, right. Yeah. And he obviously handled um, all the the fight stuff that you see in Big Trouble in Little China for obviously, and that's when probably one of the first places I recognize seeing him in, in anything was that. You were absolutely right. This movie, some of the worst signage you'll see in any movie yeah, ever. Speaking of bad signage from the last one, this one, <laughs> boy, they love, okay, there's two big signs that you see in this and that we already talked about it being this kind of Scientologist thing where they have this compound that's fully gated. I was still trying to figure out what place in LA this was. This whole movie is shot and all these abandoned buildings that were probably going to get torn down the next day. So <laughs> these super narrow hallways of these 1920s and 1930s office buildings in LA that, again, they probably all knocked down to build around Staples Center, if I were to guess. But like you noted last time, the signage is super weird. So in this one, they got two signs outside the, the, uh, the yeah. compound. One of them is... One of them says vote Larkin. Vote Larkin. That's what I said. For some reason, it just sounded weird. And the, and by the way, they reused that same 
banner later on that he took it off the wall. Well, you know what? They probably just shot the guy that building. Yeah, they had the, what probably had the day, right? Like, yeah. hey, we're going to shoot the outside of this gate shoot for a day. Exteriors. Yeah. Yep. We'll get the daylight. we get the with the nighttime. And then <laughs> we'll get the fuck out. We'll have some cars show up at the end on the cop cars. Oh, man. Dude. It's I, I dude I kind of really I mean do they still make movies like this because no. I don't feel like they do because there's a there's a ton of them and thank God that you know the fucking robots we have to thank the robots over at Tubi for this yeah <laughs> because I, I feel like I should have seen this movie like Snake Eater three I know I've seen the box a million times oh, right. I just never picked it up right oh and there was a second sign and the second sign is Mission of Justice yes Mission of Justice correct that's what I was like oh it's a mission a mission of justice it's a mission. And what's rad is, like I said, it's sort of Scientology, but the, the the thing that also they're doing is they have, she's got this army and everybody's always practicing Kung Fu on the lawn. <laughs> right. It kind of, there's that weird sequence where it kind of looks like the beginning, like they ripped that right <laughs> off of Enter the Dragon. Like, yes, they're throwing five punches with the fucking right hand and then they jump to the other side and then they throw five with, and it's very, very simple choreography, but it made me laugh. Because it's right out of the, when she's walking him through the courtyard at the mission and she's giving, oh God, it's so ridiculous. By the way, if somebody throws a punch in this movie to somebody's chest, it's followed by about a dozen more punches. It's this weird thing. We, we used to see it once in a while in a movie, like the first dramatic effect, like, like, like this machine gun punch to somebody in the chest and then one more punch to knock them on their ass. I swear that happens at least 20 times in this movie where somebody... <laughs> And it's not just Wincott, it's his variable circus of sidekicks because he's got somebody fighting with him as a cop and he's got two or three guys fighting with him when he's when he's running around for the Peacemakers, which is this group that we're talking about for yep. Brigitte Nielsen. It's super fucking weird. But the signage we talked about, it's fucking terrible. Like the one that says auto parts above or yeah. auto, <laughs> auto, whatever, auto repair above the chop shop. Yeah. The chop shop that's got a chainsaw, machetes, machine guns. It's got yeah, all this dude, shit. It's fucking power drills with an extra long bit on it. What, what are you, what are you doing with that? <laughs> and it's hooked up. It, it's looked and it's hooked up to an airline. Dude, when the moment that with that Jimmy, the, the, the guy that actually sees Cedric get killed in the beginning, he's in hiding out. He's a peacemaker, but once he sees him get killed, he's just trying to be protective of his grandmother. His grandmother is directly tied to, as a big donator, a big donor to Brigitte Nielsen's cause. So he's in hiding. But when he joins up with Wincott and they're fighting in this auto shop, he gets knocked out like twice, dude. By the way, how many concussions do you think he has? Because he gets knocked dude, out twice in the same scene. What made me laugh is he's lying under the, you know, and, this and, is someone hits the, and the car's coming down. And, and the, I'm like, well, the tires are going to The tires, the I, know, I know. Jesus Christ. I know, that's exactly what I said. They go over and drag him out the last second. I'm like, it wouldn't have hurt at all. He would just been, you know, he'd have just, maybe he would have bumped his head when he woke up. But yeah. I mean, he would, that would have been the worst of it. He'd already been knocked unconscious twice. It was so funny, too, because it was really him. It wasn't a double. It wasn't no. a dummy. Nope. Oh, speaking of that whole fight sequence, there was something that happened in there, and I rewound it a dozen times, not for the, not because the reason why I rewound a lot of the, these movies was like, what the fuck did that person say? This was right. during that fight sequence when this guy jumps down from a second floor and Wincott, like, kicks him, and he does this thing, like, he's on a wire, like, he's on a hip wire. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? And almost, I'm like, was that a dummy? I, I There was no wire. There's no wire work in this movie at all. No. 
There are some people getting fucked up though. This dude, there's no way this guy didn't walk away with something broken. The, the, no. The, it was bad. I was like, oh shit. I'm going to say this. Every fight in this movie goes on 40 seconds too long though. It does. Like It's like, it's almost just like, oh Jesus Christ. We got to get, we got to hit 90 minutes guys. Right. And again, just like with the other two movies, an hour and 30, exactly 91 minutes. What, what the hell was the magic number of 91 minutes? I, I don't know, man. It, it's pretty hilarious. I'm going to say that. I think I told you already. I literally was, wa I watched the whole movie, but every fight I'd have to, I do the 10 second forward thing. Once I got bored with the fight, I'm like, oh, yeah. And it was then 40 seconds from the point where I was like enough to the end of the sequence. It was always 40 seconds. <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous. You know, I'm wondering, since he's all straight to video, I'm wondering if 91 seconds has to do with, with stock yeah. of the VHS. I'm sure. And it was probably, a, yeah. you know, 90 minute tapes or like you could, that was something too. It's funny. And cause you don't you know if when you're manufacturing and mass of your VHS, you're not taking an, a 120 blank tape like we used to, and then record a 90 minute movie and just no. say, fuck the rest of it. No, it's too expensive. That's why you have 90 minute loads. And that, and, and they're always a little bit over and that's why they're a little bit over. So I would also say that people, I feel like you had to give people 90 minutes worth of entertainment 1990 or they felt like they were getting cheated. Like now we're cool with 75, 78 minutes because right. we're like, God damn it. Just get this out. You know, oh, this, you know, I'll sit through a bad movie. <laughs> really this month. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'll, I'll sit through a bad movie now, but it better be not be longer than 80 minutes. Yeah. That's what I was kind of going to get to is that's where the similarities between the VHS days and now end where yep. there was part. And we kind of talked about this, at the beginning and numerous times throughout the, sh the run of the show, there's something about going to the store and renting, whether it was DVDs, whether it was laser disc, whether it was VHS, there's something about going and picking something out and going home and watching it, you know, going by picking up snacks on the way home and, and then just sit on the couch and just watching stuff. And this is the kind of thing that we would have gone to the video store picked us up with two or three other movies because we have a whole night plan of not doing anything but watching movies. But now it's like we're so programmed. We have too much stuff at our fingertips because once you rent the movies in your home, well, that's what we got. Right. And that's why you're always so discerning. Well, not discerning, but you want to make sure you're getting the right movie because you're not coming back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they're going to be closed by the time you probably get around to watching the movies. Yeah. You know, nine o'clock video stores close. The yeah. opening for Mission of Justice, we kind of like briefly talked about with this robbery of a liquor store in the beginning. It's, it's not, it's not unlike the opening of Snake Eater 3, but it's just, it's not a diner. It's a liquor store. It's a liquor store. I will say this about this movie, the costumes, other than the terrible police costumes, because I think all the street thugs, I think their shit looks pretty good, especially for the time. Like I, like I, I think that the guys who are robbing the liquor store, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I mean. You know, that shit looks like, it looks okay for what this is. And then the cops all look like security guards. They do. <laughs> they, and they probably are. The, this, the outfits, like you can see the, like you can see where they just were, they were, the patches, they still had creases down this, like they just opened them out of a package and I, you know, they're iron. It's just, yeah, it's, that's the, that was the first thing that caught my eye before I even saw the bad signage. Yeah. We talk about stunt guys all the time and, and Jeff Pruitt is in this movie and he's a stunt coordinator for lots of television and lots of movies. Um, you recognize him in the movie, but he's a, he's somebody that's still around doing, doing his business. And he's a, cause he says he's a stunt coordinator. Now there are a couple other faces in this movie that I wanted to make sure that we talked about. 
One of them is he's only in the beginning, and I was very surprised that we didn't see him again. And that is David Urson. Right. At the very beginning, playing uh, the the news reporter. You know him because he's the dipshit anchor man that was more or less making fun of Harold Green from back mm-hmm. in the day, who eventually yeah. they would spoof an anchor man. He's the guy at Helsinki, Sweden. That guy. Helsinki, Sweden. <laughs> David Erson yeah. was the fucking worst. But he's only, he's outside this compound at the very beginning of the movie. But you don't see him again. It's kind of a bummer. No, and dude, and David Erson has been in some cool movies and Jerry Maguire, Die Hard. It's funny to see like the people who, you know, and he, I, I, I thought he was going to be back for sure. Well, nope. Maybe he just, maybe he did somebody a favor. You know what I mean? Like, who knows? My, my question for you, there's one scene in this movie where Brigitte Nielsen has short hair. One. Yes. So do you think that, do you think that was a reshoot? Melody made a comment to me and wig? <laughs> I just, I just assumed that she was wearing a wig the rest of the time. Yeah, no, but it started with her wearing a wig. Yeah. And then we see her in the one scene with short hair. Yeah. And then the very next scene, I mean, then the rest of the movie, she's got a wig. Yeah. And it's towards the end of the movie, too. It's super weird. Yeah, I don't know. Melody pointed out to me, she only watched the last third of the movie with me when she said, she goes, is she got short hair now? You see a half and half of that later. They have her in a wig that's more stylized to be short. She looks the way we all recognize her looking. Yeah. And that's that short peroxide yeah. blonde hair. So it was very odd. Yeah, I know. It was very jarring, too, because we it's because it's weird seeing her with long hair the whole movie. And then, wait, that's how she always looks. Right. It's either a reshoot or hair and makeup didn't show up that day. I don't know. Who knows? It's weird, though, right? Yeah. I mean, I literally, she looks like she did in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Yeah. Her sidekick in this, her more or less her guy Friday, uh, how do you say Luca's name? Oh, uh, Luca Berkovici. Yeah, sure. I think. I mean, that's how I say it. <laughs> Berkovici. He's a Karate in the Garage alum. He was in Drop Zone, playing Jagger in Drop yeah. Zone. Oh, yeah, yeah. And lots of other things. Silk Stockings, as we just mentioned, that silly ass thing. He's Well, he's in a couple things that we, like, that I can't believe, you know, at some time. Someday we'll probably, we'll talk about the ghoulies. But he's also uh, in Clean and Sober, which he was really, really good in Clean and Sober. Yeah, he's in, he was in some big stuff, too. And I, I think he's one of Keaton's buddies because he's yeah. also in um, Pacific Heights. Oh, right. So I'm, yeah. wondering, I'm wondering if he has some kind of uh, friendship with him. Same agent, maybe? Maybe, yeah. You know, at the time, they're like, we'll give you Michael Keaton, but you get, you know, we'll get Keaton in the movie, but you got to take Luca too. Yeah, he was, he balanced that that line. He kind of like danced a little bit on the feature film side of things, actually studio stuff, and then the you know, television, a little bit of video, straight to video. And he was, he did a lot of stuff. He did that, that Dorothy Stratton movie, the, the Death of a Centerfold, speaking right. of your girlfriend. Yeah, Mariel. <laughs> but this one, this this is the one with Jamie Lee Curtis, which I, I didn't, recall until about two weeks ago. It was a TV movie. Yeah, yeah, it was a TV movie. This was, because it it was a big deal because of Star 80 being made and then this was kind of, I think came out in the same year, didn't they? Yeah, but this was kind of, you know, Star 80 was the sort of, you know, it's the one you wanted to take a shower and wire brush yourself after you watched. Yeah. Death of a Centerfold was a little, you know, friendlier and like, oh, how, you know, there was definitely a made for TV vibe that Star 80 certainly does not have. No. Unless it was made for, you know, Cinemax. Yeah. (laughs) 
And that one was rad too, because like Mitchell Ryan was in it. I had a good cast, yeah. and Bob Reed was in it. it it's Reed. good. It is a good movie. It's yeah. just like you know, but it's night and day. Like oh yeah, well, yeah, because wise. you can't. Yeah, because can't another thing too is you can't make a movie with with the story that's being told on a television movie. You just can't. No, and also yeah. Bob Fosse. You know, that's the other part of that equation. Yeah, exactly. Dude, this movie is constantly entertaining. Like, so the dialogue is so bad. And, and I got to say, dude, <laughs> Wincott is pretty wooden, dude. Oh, he <laughs> is. Tom Wopat, I mean, or, or yeah, whatever his name is. At the very beginning, before he gets, before he punches the sergeant in the face, but, and let me sidebar that for a moment. Since when is the sergeant the last call of a, of a precinct, dude? Because, like, right. how many sergeants do you see in a movie? Like, a dozen, right? This, the, this one sergeant's running the place. I'm like, no, where's the fucking captain? Dude, in what abandoned building was that fucking uh, <laughs> That's what I'm police station? I mean, movie. good Lord, dude. The, the locker room, those lockers all look like they, they, they look like they were, they belonged in a machine shop. They've yeah. been in a machine shop for yeah. 50 years. The, yeah, the auto shop that we saw earlier right. in the movie. Same location. <laughs> it was like some giant factory that went out of business in downtown LA. And they're like, oh, this, look at the lockers. This could be the police locker room. Let's not do anything to it. So you shouldn't be surprised anybody that he gets he gets suspended again. Another suspension movie. Yep. Cops always getting suspended for for punching his sergeant in the face. I'm like, because all he does to that point is punch shit. Yep. They should have called it, you know, puncher two or something. Punchy. It's like, <laughs> it was so punchy. Bad. Sorry, Jeff Wincott. He's punching lockers. He's punching walls. He's punching the side of a van. I'm like, yeah. Because why does he punch his sergeant? Because his sergeant has let this guy who's beaten this woman, you know, and he convinces her to testify. And then and then somehow it's his fault, right? Like, right. you and your karate, <laughs> your kung fu, whatever the fuck he says, something stupid. <laughs> so dumb. Kung fu-y. I don't like movies like this where you, where they're trying to, like, we already had, he already has an adversary. We, we, we know, we, we've seen the cover. We know that Brigitte Nielsen is his, yes is the baddie. Why does he have to have, you don't need, we've already proven that you don't need to have a moment like that to, to let us know that, or to, to get the guy suspended. We've already seen Snake Eater 3. We know what it takes to get suspended again. Yes, <laughs> we know. But you know what? Actually, if there was anything as obvious as it may be for him punching out as sergeant, when Brigitte Nielsen's uh, sidekick Roger starts investigating Wincott, when Wincott shows up to be one of these peacemaker guys, they want to make sure that he's on the up and up. And he's very straightforward with them. Like, oh, yeah, I was a cop, but, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a cop anymore. And they go and so they check out a story. I'm like, oh, yeah, he punched out his sergeant. So yeah. like, it helps sell the story. I'm like, but I'm like, I don't think they were intentional. <laughs> this movie doesn't feel like no. that was an intentional story movie. That they were just doing it because he won, went caught to punch somebody. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. They, they just needed him to punch someone. He's going to get, he could have just quit after like the girl got killed. Fuck you, man. I'm out. And he, but we're talking about the, his sidekick, right? Karen Shepard. Yep. The way she acts in it. Man. Isn't it, isn't it always like, it's that why you, you know, it's like that. Why uh, like, you, wise guy? Why you? Like that. Like she's always like, oh, like she's eating the lemon before every scene. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's so bad. Uh, but if it's she's somebody I've seen in numerous things, I mean, I wouldn't have recognized her with that hair. No. Well, because they they tried to make her look like Cynthia Rothrock. Yeah. And from you know from uh, some other movie. <laughs> some Whatever. Other movie. Or any any other movie. Every other movie. Every movie. Yeah. 
Yeah, because Rothrock has never had hair past her shoulders, has she? I mean, uh, <laughs> not, not real hair. Not real I mean, hair. I think she's worn wig. I mean, I've seen her with longer hair, but I, yeah, I feel like it wasn't hers. She wears a Brigitte Nielsen hair. Oh, the Linda. I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I was going to say she wears the, um, from uh, Exorcist. <laughs> Linda Blair. She's <laughs> <laughs> got the Linda Blair cut. Oh, shit. Karen Shepard, everything else I'd ever seen her in, she kind of had longer hair. I mean, functional. You know. It's functional. Yeah, this is functional for like fighting yes, cop hair. Exactly. I'm a karate no, cop lady. There's nothing to grab. And, and dude, yeah. just like, I mean, Wincott's, like you mentioned, no, oh. Wincott's hair, dude. Yeah. There's a, a, let me, let me sidebar again. For, even though they, they do their checkup on Wincott to find out that, oh, yeah, he, his story checks out, he is, not part of the police department anymore. At least he's suspended. Um, well, that's not enough. <laughs> no. He's got to go through a little bit of hazing or a trial, yeah. if you will, to sure. join the peacemakers. got to prove himself. And he goes to this thing called the gauntlet. And he's not the first one. There's like a dozen guys that are standing there. They're going to have to go through the gauntlet. And all it is is just this, again, yeah. game of death situation. <laughs> Sure, right? They just, this is lifted <laughs> from a bunch of other movies. I, dude, they made me laugh because I when it was happening, all I could think of was colors. Remember when uh, the little brother like has oh, to fight all the Oh, when he gets the jumped right. in, when he gets yeah, jumped, he, yeah. Yeah, and, he, and then he's like, you made it, Frog's little brother. Yeah, 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 you, like, you, you fucked up Holmes. You You're fucked like, up Holmes. You joined the gang. Yeah, totally. I was waiting for somebody to say that to uh, Tom Wopat. <laughs> <laughs> you made it. You're part of the gang, Duke brother. Oh, yeah. no, wait, wrong show. But yeah, it's so silly, dude. <laughs> There's a lot of stick work in this. That's the, the whole gauntlet is it's a whole row of guys on either side of this red carpet. And you have to make your way down to the red carpet to Brigitte Nielsen at the end of the end of it. Just, you know, almost like the queen. She's yeah. overlooking her. Sure. Yeah. So two or three guys go before Wincott and they all get fucked up by the third person. Yep. But Wincott. No, he's special. No way. He goes, fuck this. I even made a joke about the melody. I'm like, oh, he's not doing that. <laughs> so he's she, almost he's he, almost a perfect weapon. He's <laughs> <laughs> throws down his sticks, turns, and does that thing that we, we always see in movies where someone does the sucker punch where they turn away and throw the punch. Well, he turns away and then starts doing fucking flips and shit. <laughs> It gets up, it picks up the sticks and starts fucking beating the fuck out of people. Again, that sequence is 40 seconds too long. <laughs> well, yeah, 40. And we're not counting the slow-mo of him turning no. and, and doing his oh, backflips. No. It was 40 seconds too long before we got there. Um, <laughs> the best stick fighting he does, by the way, is on the box cover for the VHS. <laughs> when he's not moving. Correct. Dude, he's just, I'm like laughing going, all right, dude, you're one guy. These guys are fucking you up. There's no way you're not getting no. hit. And because it's so much work, again, coming from somebody that's done his fair share of sound design with hard effects like this, I know the whole time I'm watching going, this would have been a nightmare to do these days. Because if it was done these days, I would have heard every sound of stick on stick. If I feel like every time he's having a one-off fights with somebody, I'm hearing there's like a dozen swings. I'm hearing tick, tick, tick. And that's it. There's like sticks are barely even like Dude, 
what I would love to do is go back and just recut all the sound effects in this movie and like have him like when he's hitting people with stick, like have it sound like it's banging into a trash can <laughs> or a symbol or just, just all this shit that doesn't that doesn't have anything to do with what it would be so fucking rad. Uh, because weirdly, I'm not I'm not upset that we watch this movie. No, uh, this movie is entertaining, although you know it's a little long, but entertaining in the in the best possible terrible way. Yeah, just like Snake Eater Three, maybe not. It, it doesn't reach the level of awesomeness of Snake Eater 3, but I mean, uh, for what it is, it, it was a pretty, I, I laughed a lot. I did too. And it was, and it was mostly, it wasn't <laughs> the script. It wasn't the story. It was just the execution of the, it all. The, it was just, yeah. Why is, again, there, the, I wouldn't be a bit surprised when you watch our next movie if it happens to be 91 minutes also. Cause I, yeah. Right. That's the magic number. I mean, it almost makes me want to look up the director, Steve Barnett, and see what other fantastic films he may have directed. Uh, yeah. Oh, my. Dude, he directed Scanner Cop 2, which oh, I was in. That you're I'm in it. it. And that's, this isn't the first time we've talked about Scanner Cop 2. No. Ironically, dude, we talked about Scanner Cop 2 before we ever started this month. We did. That's what's weird. Yeah. They're always listening. Because <laughs> we talked about during uh, Scanners. Yeah. Uh, totally. Which makes sense, right? Well, yeah. Why? Why else would? Why else would we talk about Scanner Cop too? Well, more than this movie. <laughs> Makes Good sense. God, the roundabout of this movie is just like so many movies at that time, and we spoke about it with Jeff Speakman earlier. There was a time in the early '90s to like mid to late '90s when it was starting to fade out, where everybody was trying to come up with their own Van Dam, their own Seagal. Oh yeah. And the Speakman thing was Paramount's way of coming up with their Seagal that Warner Brothers had. They're trying to come up with something. Right. And between all that were these guys that that were on set as secondary players or just part of the, the fight team that they said, hey, you know what? You might be okay on camera. And that's when that's what spun off all these direct-to-video movies. Now, Lorenzo Lamas was somebody whose face we already recognized. Right. So Snake Eater, that's probably why those first two movies did well enough for them to make a third Snake Eater was because like, oh, that guy's on Falcon's Crest. Oh, yeah. You know, he's like, he's a face. And because that's a face out of all these movies, that's a face that I recognize outside of my VHS box. Absolutely. It's funny because, you know, if you look up Wincott, Wincott's got a shit ton of, of credits. I mean, he's been in a ton of stuff. Right. He, you know, and this is probably at the height of his career. Like this is, this is when he was the most known. Yeah. And it's funny too, this is kind of like his Alfred Justice. And I don't mean it because it has the word justice in it, but it, it feels like the one that people forget. Like when you talk about Seagal movies, like Alfred Justice is the one that you forget. But when you tell them the plot of it, like, oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that one. Did Tony Bissett burn still around? Oh no, he passed. Oh man, he passed away in 2016. Well, you know, what's funny, man, is like, I would say like an, another person like Lamas that was lifted right from television was Martin Cove, right? There was, cause yeah. Martin Cove made a bunch of weird movies like this, like, you know, at the height of, you know, 86, 87, 88, right. when VHS, they were just taking anybody like and making them into like an action star. You know, he came from Cagney and Lacey. <laughs> right. And I think with Cove, though, like just like with a lot of the Karate Kid stuff, people that were that were in it were people that were already doing television. Yeah, absolutely. And then just the exception is like Elizabeth Shue was kind of, was she like new to everything? Was that, was this, was that her first movie? No, Elizabeth Shue's first movie was, wasn't it Back to the Future or Karate Kid? 
The first Karate Kid. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's, what, that's what I'm talking no, about. No, she was, she, I don't think, I mean, if she was on TV, she was maybe like, you know, but she wasn't a star of any TV No, series. I just, she I just meant like, but I mean, that's what, this was the first thing I remember her in. I don't remember her in TV. It's, it was like Macho and, and, and her and everybody else was all TV people. Cause Ralph Macho's mom was, oh, yeah. was the mom from, uh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, she's the mom. She was Joe's mom on, on Facts of Life. Right. And uh, Pat Morita, of course, was from Happy Days and a whole bunch of Sanford and Son. Maybe he'd been on a ton of stuff. But yeah, uh, it, it's a it's a weird this this whole sort of '90s straight to video stuff is kind of it's super fascinating, man. This is this couldn't be more March. This movie couldn't be more March Madness if we tried. No. And the thing is, we don't have to try because the robots are doing it for us. They are. Yeah. They're doing it all for us. Thank you, robots. Yeah. Who played Joe's dad? On Facts of Life? Uh, goo, God, no. Uh, was it Joseph Bologna? <laughs> Alex Rocco. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was close. Joseph Bologna, Alex, Alex Rocco. Because the, the the mom from Karate Kid and Alex have a scene together. Like, when they're like, you're a shitty dad. Well, you're a shitty mom. You know why Alex Rocco is also relevant? Because he's in The Godfather. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess. <laughs> Relative to what? Relative to what I'm doing right now, I guess. Oh, oh hey, you're not supposed to talk about that yet. Uh, can can we, though? Nah, I don't care. Everyone knows I'm here. Well, we'll, we'll save it for next Kickstart when you yeah, wrap. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And I'll, I'll repeat my line. Alex Rocco is relevant to why? <laughs> because he's in The Godfather. He's Mo Green. Well, when this comes out, you're flying home the next day. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the mission of justice is fits perfectly in in this whole month. It's not as prolific as Snake Eater Three, no, because uh, at least this one, like we're talking about, this one doesn't suffer from the things as far as its locations go. It doesn't suffer from the hey, wheel that over here from this porn set we just shot here in this warehouse. Right. This actually is even the auto shop doesn't feel like doesn't feel like a warehouse like we get a lot in, in a sneak heater three practical locations, lots of Los Angeles, you know, again, places that probably don't exist anymore because they've been torn down. But this movie has everything that straight to video movie has. It's got recognizable faces and some new faces that you would see later on. And I don't think this is much of a stretch, right? To say straight to video was in a lot of ways, the acceptable porn, if you will. Yeah, totally. Like if you were on television, it was okay for you to step away and do this and make 15 grand. Absolutely. For a week's worth or whatever it was and go back to TV. You could do that. It wasn't like the days with when you, if you work in porn behind the scenes that, you know, when you're camera guy, you use a pseudonym and, and then you can come in there and shoot during, during hiatus and make some money and keep, I don't know, the Coke flowing, if you will. <laughs> sure, man, whatever it was. <laughs> whatever it was. But Mission of Justice, I think, is just like with Eye of the Tiger, is setting up the catalyst for the next movie. And I think the next movie is, I, I'm not expecting it to be a Snake Eater 3, because what else is? You're right. But I think that it might bring us back around to that level of... Yeah. Awesomeness. Yeah. Yeah. And the star of that is somebody that I'm, I was hoping we were going to get somewhere along the way and... Yeah. We definitely had a choice. We had a choice from that performer's yeah. uh, repertoire. We certainly did. <laughs> Thank you, Tubi. Thank you, robots. <laughs> 
All right, well, there he goes. Mission of Justice, Jeff Wincott. Again, there's lots of his movies to purview, and there's not a lot of them on Tubi. I was surprised. I thought yeah. we were going to get a whole bunch of Jeff Wincott recommendations. I saw one after this. Yeah. But he's he's got a lot of stuff that's out there. And if you go to justwatch.com or use it on your app, you'll find there's a lot of it streaming because it's not just here. It's on Pluto and Freebie yeah. as well. Totally. Lots of crazy stuff. Lots of 1992. March, man. Oh, dude, seriously. What is that? What is that? Ma- 92 is the magic number. Yeah, man. 91 minute movies in 1992. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, there you go. Mission, Mission of, of justice. justice. I wish it had a rad trailer like Snake Eater 3. Yeah, it doesn't, but that's okay. <laughs> it just watch the movie. Cookie cutter. Yeah, man. Ding, ding. From the factory. From the factory or the auto shop. Yeah, man, right out of the auto shop. Oh, hey, hey. what's going on in that auto shop? Anyway, uh, yeah, uh, man. I need a chainsaw from that auto shop. Need something. So if you want to follow the show on the socials, at Karate Pod on Twitter, Insta, Letterboxd, on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp, and on Insta, it's Culprit97. If you like to follow me, you can follow me at Raven Chaddock. No, that's wrong. Rock and Roll of 33 at your Instagram. <laughs> and you can follow me at... Alex Rocco at Letterbox. That's Alex Rocco. <laughs> Letterbox. Mission of Justice.